Good morning. Hope everyone is doing well. Can everybody hear me okay? Okay, good deal, good deal. Want to uh, welcome everybody here this morning to the Eastside Church of Christ, church family. I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, I see a few faces that I, I don't know, some that I know pretty well, and some that I'm learning, and some that I don't know well. So if you are, are visiting with us, I just want you to know that we're glad to have you with us. I'm glad that you are, are here, part of our church family this morning, and worshiping with us together. Um, this morning, before we get started, I want you to bow your heads and pray with me, if you would. Father, I want to thank you for the blessing that you have given us in this time to be able to worship you, to spend some time with you, just to be together as the church family here. I pray that you would open our eyes so that we can see, our ears so that we can hear, that you can make us aware of all the things that you want us to see and to know in your holy scriptures. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. So I want to take you to a conversation that I had here a long, long time ago. Now, not that long ago. I was talking to somebody the other day. I was having a lunch conversation. And they were saying, well, Tim, you've been here how long? And I had to stop and think for a minute. And this is our 11th month. We've been here almost one year. It'll be one year, I think, in December. But they said, Tim, how are you liking it? How, how are you liking Snyder so far? Love Snyder. Love Snyder. Some of the most amazing people I've ever met on the face of the planet. And they said, well, do you feel like you're, and I love the next question was, do you feel like you're, you're, you're building something new? Do you feel like you're building something new? That was a good question. I've never ever asked me a question like, am I building something new? And so I thought back over the last few months since we've lived here, and I thought, well, what have, what have me and my wife been building? And you know what? It's true. I feel like we've been kind of building some new roots here. I feel like I'm starting to get to know some people. Some of you already feel like family. Uh, you know, some of you feel like ugly stepsisters and brothers. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but, but we're, we're starting to really grow some roots and, and build something new. Um, I'll share something that's going on in the Brown household. Uh, it, uh, I don't know how my kids feel about me talking about it up here, but when we first got here, my kids uh, have always known the story that my wife and I, we met each other at karate class. That's where we started dating and getting to know each other. I was 15 and she was 14, and that's just kind of how we knew each other. We went through the ranks together in karate class. And uh, when I got, eventually about got to be a black belt and got to be a second-degree black belt, this was before I ever got into ministry, I thought that I was going to open up a dojo somewhere and teach karate, teach martial arts. So our kids have heard those stories over the years. Well, over the last couple of years, they started saying, Mom, Dad, we'd like to, like to do some martial arts. So we moved here to Snyder, and there's one place here in Snyder. I'm, several of you know about the Taekwondo place. And, and I don't know if you've ever tried to put five kids in martial arts. I don't care what it is you're trying to put your kids into. When it's multiplied by five, it's, it's, it's astronomical. It's expensive. So I had a thought a couple of months ago. I was talking to my wife. I said, okay, look, I know I've had a lot of crazy ideas. This one's going to be real crazy. I need to get in shape. We used to teach martial arts a long time ago. We can do it ourselves if we really want to just apply ourselves. Plus, gets the kids away from the electronics, gives them something else to do with their time. So here we are. It's now two months later. We have our own dojo in our home, <laughs> and we're teaching karate to our kids a couple times a week. I know it doesn't look like it, but improvements are being made, and we are building something new. And I was thinking about that. We're building something new. About a year ago, I sat here with you, and I laid out a vision for ministry. And I, I said, you don't have to adopt this, mission, this, this vision, but this is just kind of what I feel like God has given me 
and this is the direction that I feel like I need to go in ministry. And if you remember what I told you, it, it all revolves around the two greatest commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as you love yourself, right? It's about your, this vertical relationship right here, this upreach that we have with God. And when this is right, it, it makes this work, this inreach, this horizontal relationship, it makes this right with God. And when, when our cup is full and we're relating with each other the way that we should, that love then should overflow to other people, right? Well, we spent the last eight or nine months focused on this right here. We went through the entire Bible and looked at verse after verse after verse after verse on the Holy Spirit, and how to have a relationship with that Holy Spirit. Well, I figured since this is November, we've got a few more months of, har uh, of uh, autumn left. We're going to be getting into the winter months. I want us to transition now away from upreach into inreach and start focusing on how can we, as a church, start building something new. How can we build something new? And so today I want to talk about this idea of building up the body of Christ, not being complacent when it comes to God's church, but actually doing something intentional. There's a word that I learned a long time ago. I was sitting at a campfire with a good buddy of mine, and we were talking about, you know, being, being better Christians, being better men for God. And he said this word, and it was one of those moments where it got really quiet. And I don't know if it was because of the season or we'd had too many marshmallows and chocolate or whatever it was. But he looked up and he said, intentional. He said, if we're not intending to do something, then we are absolutely intending to do nothing. And I never will forget that. One of the most epic speeches I've ever heard around a campfire. <laughs> but intentional. What are we intentionally doing at the Eastside Church of Christ? Or what are we intentionally, by not doing anything, what are we intentionally not doing at the Eastside Church of Christ? You know, Paul introduces this idea, if you remember, over in Corinthians, where he says that the church should look a little bit more like the body. And if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over, uh, over there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at 12 through 19. And I have it up on the screen here if you'd like to read along with me. But Paul says it like this. He says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. He would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them. Listen to this next part. Underline it in your Bible if you've got something to write with. He has arranged them all just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it were, there are many parts, but one body. So here's the point that Paul is trying to get across. He's trying to get this idea to these people in Corinth. Remember what they're doing. They're arguing and they're fussing about all kinds of things. They're divided every which way to Sunday. But one thing that they're divided over more than anything else is they're dividing and arguing and fussing over who had the best spiritual gift. 
it would almost be like you had a bunch of preachers sitting around in a room arguing and debating over who's going to get to do what at the next big church event, right? You know, they're all sitting around and they're thinking, you know, man, I, 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 I think I can lead the prayer the best. I think I'm the one that should be up for prayer. Well, I've had the most experience teaching that Bible class, so I think I'm the one that should do this. Or, or you know what I mean? You just get a bunch of people together and they start, kind of start comparing themselves to other people. That's kind of what, it's, what was going on here in the text. And, and Paul would say, look, we've all got different spiritual gifts, every single one of us. Some people, he says, they've got the, the gift of teaching. They're just better at it. God has given that gift. They understand things in ways that other people can't. They know how to explain things in ways that other people can't. He says sometimes some people have the gift of hospitality. Maybe you've got the means to be able to be hospitable to other people. Maybe you've got the financial means or the house or, or whatever it is that you have the ability to do. And God's given you the heart to be able to want to do it joyfully. Other people have less of that gift than other people do. He said some people have the, the gifts of service and, and some people don't have those types of gifts. And some have the spiritual gift of just being able to give. I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is. Sometimes God has just given somebody the gift of money. And you know what? That's okay too. To be able to fund other things that are going on in God's kingdom. There's nothing wrong with it. And he says, look, I imagine what would it be. He says, imagine what would it be if the whole church was an ear. First off, that'd look kind of funny, wouldn't it? He says, the whole church would be able to hear, but then they wouldn't be able to see anything, right? Or how strange would it be if the whole church was an ear and it jumped off and just started running across the floor saying, I'm not a part of the body, I don't belong here. Strange. Or what if everybody showed up one Sunday morning and said, I want to be a rock star like Luke Dance. And everybody had a guitar in their hand, man. And, and everybody got up and everybody started swinging those guitars around and playing those guitars. Well, listen, I tell you what, that would be an awful mess, wouldn't it? Luke says, Amen. What if we all decided that we wanted to be one big, gigantic eyeball? I'll tell you, just a moment ago, we were one big, gigantic mouth because apparently the brain didn't tell Janine to shorten down that verse reading a little bit. We, that was a long reading. I apologize for that. You had kept us going nice and tight on that one, so it was really good. My point is, in saying all of that, is that over the course of the next few weeks, what I want us to do in this sermon series, it's going to be a short sermon series, but I want us to get real practical. I mean, just really kind of just the elbow grease to, you know, to the elbow. I want us to get real practical and ask the question and hopefully answer the question, how can we build up the body of Christ here at the East Side Church of Christ? How can we build up this body here at this congregation? You know, when I was young, I played with all kinds of toys. Anybody remember my favorite toy? I told this story a couple months ago. My favorite toy I had when I was a kid. Anybody remember? That's it. I'm going to give you a Hershey kiss at the end of service. Very good. I've got plenty of Halloween candy left over, too. I can give you some. That's right. That was one of them. Now, there was all kinds of toys I like to play with, man. One of my other favorite toys was, uh, see if this brings back a memory. I loved, loved, loved playing with He-Man, Masters of the Universe. And I had that big Castle, Castle Skull set. I know this is showing my age just a little bit. But that was one of my favorite toys. I'll tell you another toy I loved playing with when I was a kid was just blocks. Blocks. Now, not the Lincoln Logs. Those were cool, but I, I, I tell you what I liked was the building blocks. I liked them a whole lot better. So I decided for this sermon, I'm not that much away from being a kid. I made me some building blocks, so I'm going to use these. But, but over the course of the next few weeks, I want to start talking about some building blocks. What are some building blocks? What are some basic, basic things that we can do in the church to build up the body? So we're going to suggest a few things for you this morning. I want to lay that one down there. And um, 
let's, let's think about this first one here for just a moment. What I'm going to do is use these building blocks. And I want you to, number one, if you like a, to write down notes in your paper, write down this. Number one, we need to decide. Here's point number one. We need to decide that our time does not belong to us. We're going to build up the body here. That means we're going to have to spend some time with the body doing some stuff, ain't we? And if we're going to spend some time doing stuff with the body, that means we're going to have to give up some time somewhere else. So number one this morning, we have to decide that our time is not actually our time. It's God's time. Now let me say this. Time is a very valuable commodity, isn't it? it? We place value on time. You go to work and you do that. Hopefully you like what you do, but most of us don't care for what we do too much when we go to our jobs. But what are we doing at our jobs? We are exchanging the value of our time in exchange for some monetary supplement that hopefully makes us feel good about how much time we've given away. Nine times out of ten, we don't feel very good about how much time we give away versus what we receive back, right? Amen? But that's the thing. We, we value time. And if you remember what the book of James says, uh, the book of James says over in the gospel, let's see, let me go back here. Go back one. I'm sorry, you were doing that for me, weren't you? Thanks for advancing the slide for me. Uh, in the book of James, it says that your life is nothing more than just a vapor in time. Now you think about that. It means your life is just like it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's like a little shoot of grass that comes up in the morning. By the time the afternoon comes, the sun's out, the thing's already gone. The thing is, it's a very valuable commodity. And you and I have no idea how much time we've been given. It might be a little, it might be a lot, but we don't know how much time we've been given. I want you to look at the scripture here over in the book of Haggai. Um, chapter 1, you see this idea of using your time wisely. Haggai lived in a time when the temple needed to be rebuilt. It was after the time of the Babylonian captivity. But when the people of Israel started coming back to their towns, they started focusing on their houses. They started focusing on their jobs, their communities, their wealth. And the house of God, the place of prayer, the place where you would go to worship, was falling into shambles. It was literally just falling apart. And look at what this says, beginning at verse 3. Let's read it together. It says, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? See, they 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 were busy building their house instead of building God's house. Look at verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Does that sound like today? We have a modern day saying, don't we? we? We put our money in our pocket and we say it's what? Well, people don't have cash as much anymore, but we say it's burning a hole in your pocket, right? Burning a hole in your pocket. It's the same kind of idea. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. 
Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Now, do you see what the Lord is telling his people? He's saying you're so caught up in your own world. You're so caught up in your own small little life, your own little kingdom, where you just do what you want to do. You just try to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, and you've forgotten about me. You've forgotten about my house. My house has fallen into ruin. And folks, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to say it this morning, church. I think the church today, in very many ways, has made the same mistakes. We've got caught up in so many other things and all this other stuff. And the kingdom of God is literally, literally falling apart in front of us in our own eyes in America. And most of the church does not even see it. Attendance in churches in America is on a dismal decline. And most Christians that I know, either they don't know or when they do know, they actually just don't care. We've turned into a society that has become more inclined and motivated about what we can get and what we can gather and what we can gain than we are about building up God's kingdom. Because you know why? We decided that our time is really our time and not really God's time. We bow down at the altar of sports so our kids can get involved in all kinds of other things and, 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 and the church and the building up of God's kingdom come second, come third, come fourth, come fifth, come sixth. And then suddenly one day when they get to be teenagers and they've completely forgotten about the church and they drift away and they never come back and we sit there scratching our heads going, what in the world happened? Let me tell you what happened. It's because right now in this time you decided that your time was not God's time, it was your time. We've invested more time in football. We've invested more time in soccer. We've invested more time in cheerleading and gymnastics and dance and educating and spending our time doing all these other things instead of just sitting down with them with God's word and teaching them about God's ways and making sure that by the time they leave their house, the faith that they have is not the one that you gave them. The faith that they have is the one that they've started having on their own. So secondly, this morning, I want to encourage you to not only decide from this day forward that your time is not your time, that your time is God's time. The second thing that I'm going to ask you to do this morning as we think about some practical ways that we can be working to build up God's kingdom here at the Eastside Church of Christ is number two this morning. We want to ask you to labor with us. We want to ask you to labor with us. With us. In other words, I'm going to encourage you to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at this up here in Matthew chapter 20. There's number two on the board. We want to encourage you to labor with us. Now look at this passage. Matthew chapter 20, 26 through 27 says this. Not so with you. And he's talking to his disciples. He's saying it's not the, the way that the Gentiles do things is not going to be that I want the way that I want you to do things. He says, the way that I want you to do things. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must what? Must be your servant. And he says, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Let me tell you something, church. When Jesus said those words all those many years ago, that was a revolutionary statement. 
Because the, the model of leadership that was taught then is the same exact model of leadership that's taught today. It's from the top down. It's a hierarchical model. It's the big boss and the big daddy up here at the top and all the little worker bees on the bottom. And Jesus took that model, he flipped it upside down. He says, you want to be the greatest? Let me give you an example. And the son of God at that moment stood up and took out a towel and a bowl and got on his hands and knees and started washing the dirt off the feet of his disciples. He took the triangle and he flipped it upside down. You want to be great? Do you want to be great? I want to be great for God. What about you, Ben? You want to be great? I don't care if anybody remembers my name. I bet, no, I bet you don't care on the end if anybody remembers the name Ben at all. But I know your heart, Ben. You want people to remember Jesus Christ. So we're asking, how can we labor in such a way so that we glorify Jesus Christ? So I want to tell you something. We think it's going to be... Um, we think it's going to be the one with the most toys. We think it's going to be the one with the most money, the most whatever. But Jesus says, no, the greatest one among you is the one who serves. And I can't think of a better person all the way throughout the ministry of Jesus than just watching himself because he was the greatest of all. He is the one who shows us how to be the greatest by his service. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. Find a way to serve. Don't take up valuable pew space and just be here. Don't get me wrong. We like for everybody to be here. I'm glad for everybody to be here. I love every face that I see this morning. But what we're wanting is we want people to be involved in serving. Don't just come to the building. Don't just get something. We want you to pour something back in. Now, one of the struggles that I hear as a preacher, and I've heard it for 21 years, somebody get ready to leave the church. I always do an exit interview. Is there anything that we could have done better? Nine times out of ten, one of the things that I hear is, I'm not being fed enough. I'm not, it's not meeting my needs. Now listen, I'm not knocking that as an excuse to move from one church to somewhere else. But I will tell you, honestly, as a minister, I have always, in the back of my mind, wanted to ask a question, what did you put in? Because when you show up on Sunday morning, it's not to get something out. Now, hopefully this message touches you and blesses you and maybe corrects you or moves you in a direction that you need to go. But my job as a preacher is to be up here and point you to Jesus Christ. You should already be on that journey anyway. We want people that will go door to door. We want people that will go and meet with visitors. We want people who want to meet with people, who want to get to know more about Jesus in the lives of other people. We want people who will come and, and go to Bible class and go the extra mile and help us with all the activities that we're doing because we're trying to touch somebody's life. We want people to be involved, not just come to church. And listen, when we follow Jesus the way that we should, we ain't got time for arguing and fighting. You know, one of the biggest reasons I see a lot of churches die is because they spend too much time arguing and fighting over things that don't matter. You know why they don't argue and fight? Because they don't spend time serving together. If you spend time serving the Lord together, you don't have time to argue, fuss, and fight. Or if you service someone, guess what? It's as you service someone, you get to know that person better. And you don't have time to make judgments about a person when you actually work with them and serve with them, do you? Spitting a little truth this morning, church. Just a little bit. And then what about this next one? This, uh, this next building block. Not only do we need to decide that our time is not ours, that it belongs to God. Not only are we asking you guys to, 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 to serve with us and, and, uh, and to, to labor with us. But thirdly this morning, we're going to ask you to do this. We're going to encourage you 
to invest in somebody. Invest in somebody. Invest in somebody. I want to I want you to look at this verse from the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 17. It says this. It says after 6 days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John the brother of James and he led them up a high mountain to be by themselves. Now this is of course the night before his transfiguration. Now when you look at the life of Jesus you see a man who modeled exactly how you and I are supposed to live our lives. He became spiritually mature in his own walk in the Holy Spirit. And over time, God specific, specifically and strategically brought men into his life that he took under his wing and that he discipled. He discipled these men for three and a half years before launching them into ministry. Guess what, guys? That's a model. You and I have been called not only to be disciples, but to be open to other young men and young women that God's going to put in your path so that you can disciple other people. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day at a funeral. And uh, I could tell that this person, just from the last 11 months that I've been serving here, that God has really put a burden on this, on this person's heart to pass that baton from one generation down to the next. And he and I were talking a little bit, and, and quite honestly, I've been kind of feeling a little bit of the same thing. You know, when I started in ministry, here's how I started. It, it's kind of funny. Now, I, I will forever love and, and, and honor the Creek Hall Church of Christ. Now, today, they would probably disagree with me on a lot of things. I'm not as mainline traditional in my understanding as I used to be, but I will always remember the people that loved me and mentored me there. And um, uh, I never will forget... Um, that, that there were men who brought me under their wing. They, they taught me my, my first knowledge about how to preach a sermon. These were guys that sat down with me and, and, and brought me into prisons and showed me how to do prison ministry. They, they led me by the hand into the hospitals and said, here's how you spend time with people who are sick. Here's how you spend time with people who are grieving. I'll be honest with you, I still lean more on what I learned from those mentors than I do from what I learned in seminary when I went to preaching school. Now, I say all that to say I would not be here and who I am had I not had other people in my life that came along and mentored me and showed me the way. I'm curious, by a show of hands, how many people are in this room right now and you are a believer because somebody came along in your life and showed you the way? Raise your hand. Look at that. Most every single person here, all the other ones are like miraculous experiences. I got to hear about those. The Lord just spoke to you out of the blue and called you on the phone. That's a cool story. My point is, if somebody took the time to do that with you, then don't you think we need to do the same and do it for somebody else? And I bet you anything, if I got Luke up here, Luke right now is in a place that I do not envy. I started out as a youth minister, and it's only gotten harder and harder over the last 30 years. And I can probably, I can tell you right now, when Luke gets 10 kids in, probably nine of them don't have a mom or a dad at home. Well, guess what? That's our job. Because when young people come into this church, they lack mothers and they lack fathers. What an incredible spiritual opportunity that we've been given to come along and be a spiritual mama to somebody else or be a spiritual daddy to somebody else. I'm so sad about one of the places I served one time. God opened up a door. They've been praying for years that God would do something to make the church grow. 
Well, they did. They sent a little autistic boy from a, a trailer park that was just down the street. And that little boy got baptized and he got on fire for the Lord. And he literally went around and knocked every single door in that trailer park. And before you knew it, we had 60 new people in the church, 40 of which were children. But they were rejected. Because the older members who had been there for a long time didn't like how noisy they were, didn't like how rude they were, didn't like how uncouth they were. They stopped the, the Wednesday night meal on Wednesday night because they didn't want to be around them anymore. Let me tell you something, church. If God does that here, don't you dare stop it. If God does that here, don't you dare stop it because that is God in your face saying, I am answering your prayer by giving you something. You may not realize what I'm giving you, but I'm giving you a blessing. You better take it. And then how about this one this morning? This one's hard for some of us. It's not so much hard for people here at this church. But while we're doing this and while we're trying to build something new, while we're seeking the Lord with our whole heart and, and doing ministry and investing in other people, we got to have the right kind of outlet. And for this morning, I'm just going to make a recommendation that we have uninhibited worship. Uninhibited worship. Uninhibited worship. You know, we, we come from a tradition. <laughs> where we know exactly how things are supposed to be, when they're supposed to occur, how they're supposed to occur. Like, for example, this one. Now, again, this is not the east side, but this is some of our sisters and brothers and some of our other places. This is where I came from. But I remember in, in earlier years, there was this unspoken rule. I don't know where it came from in our, in our tradition, but when the Lord's Supper is being passed out, you've got to be quieter than a mouse. You know this one, right? With the Lord's Supper's being passed around, and it's like automatically the idea is, is that you're supposed to close your eyes and contemplate on the death of Jesus. And when I was growing up, I remember it was almost like the more gruesome you could imagine that, the better. You know? And, and, and don't make any noises. Make sure your kids don't make a peep whatsoever because at this moment, this is a holy moment between me and my Jesus. Now, maybe you didn't grow up that way. That's the way it was portrayed in the church that I was a part of. Or here's another one. It, you know, whatever you do, don't get too excited about worship. Kid you not, had a question that was sent to me last week, not by somebody here in West Texas, but actually by somebody over in Nashville. And they said, now they're going to a really, really conservative Church of Christ. But here was the question. This question came from a, a, a girl that was at her church. She was going down the road. She was listening to the, the local Christian radio station and the girl was really upset with her. She said, that is Christian music, and it has instrumentation, and that is sinful, and that is wrong. And so she came from the belief that you can't have instruments not only in the worship service, but you can't have instruments even on the radio going down the road. So again, where, where do these rules come from that we make up? They don't come from God. These rules do not come from God. These are man-made rules. These are things that we have done. These are things that we've become comfortable with. They are man-made traditions. And, and listen, let me tell you something. When it comes to worship style, here's the only one that I care about right here. It comes out of Psalm 100. Listen to this. Shout for the joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. 
Listen, I'm not knocking nobody's worship service, but let me tell you something. We conduct worship service sometimes like we're trying to do a funeral. And I've got something to tell you. He ain't dead no more. He's already raised on the third day. So it's okay. Listen, you come in here, this is a safe place. If the, if the Lord is stirring up your heart and you want to throw those hands up, my goodness, throw those hands up. It does not matter. We want this to be a place of uninhibited worship for the Lord. Amen and amen. And then finally this morning, if we're going to build up the body of Christ, not only do we need to decide that our time is actually God's time, not only are we asking you to labor with us uh, in service and invest in somebody else um, uh, to give others the grace of uninhibited worship, but we're also asking you one last thing. And this is, the, this is to start off our new sermon series called Build. I was wondering if it was going to get too high for me to stack them. I was going to have to get some tall person up here. But I think we can do it. There we go. We're asking you to be a part of the church here. We want you to be a part of the East Side Church of Christ. I want you to listen to this one scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 it says this if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored then every part rejoices with it folks we need to be a part of each other's lives now we're working on it we started the fun committee about four months ago we started implementing new fun activities and getting together more often we got a chili cook-off coming up in january that's great and listen i love church activities we need more of them but you know what we need more than that we need to be in each other's homes. We need to be inviting each, over other, each other over for dinners. And I realize money's tight. I got five kids. Look, when we come over, we'll bring out the ramen noodle. I don't care. Okay? Or the, or the hot dogs or whatever. We'll bring our own food. I know we got a lot of mouths to feed. But here's the thing. We need to be spending time with each other. Jesus, when he started his church, he didn't go out somewhere and build some mega church. He started with 12 guys and no building and no budget. Just 12 guys who sat around and doing Bible studies and he led them, he spent time with them, he ministered to them, he taught them, he equipped them, he prayed for them. It's a group of people that he could share his, all the hurts and the sorrows with and he equipped them so he could then unleash them for the sake of ministry. So as I close this morning, I want to say this. Find your place here. What are you doing here? Everybody knows what Tim Brown does. I, I get up here and preach on Sunday mornings. I teach a Bible class. I do some stuff in behind the scenes. I help out with a few things here and there. What do you do? I can tell you some of the needs that we have here. We need people who are actively praying for the future ministry of this church. We need people who are willing to fast and pray for your elders and for your ministers and for your deacons so that we can all be on the same page, so that God can give us dreams and visions of what he wants us to do here in this congregation. Let me tell you something else we need. We need people who are willing to serve and go visit other people. We need people that are be willing to go to the hospitals, who are willing to go into the local jails. We need people who are willing to do prayer walks around the community and keep our eyes and ears open for things that are going on in our community so we can look for ways to minister to them. We need mouths to start talking and telling other people about the things that are going on here at Eastside. 
We need you guys to start inviting other people to, to church. We need to have more volunteers show up for things when Luke does a, a youth event or whatever, and he calls it out. And, you know, we don't need to be pulling teeth to try to get people to come in. We need the people having lined up. We need to have Luke up there saying, look, enough, enough, enough. Too many volunteers here, right? No such thing, right? So this morning, I'm going to encourage you and go ahead, band, the uh, 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 song team, if you want to go ahead and come on up, you can. If we're going to build up the body here at these side, there's five practical ways that we can decide that your time is God's time. Make a decision today to labor with us. Find somebody in this church that you can invest in. Allow for uninhibited worship. We're about to have some of that here in just a moment. And finally, be a part of the body. Find your niche where you fit in and what is your ministry here at the Eastside Church family. If you need to respond to the invitation,